It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We're going to talk a lot of chronic wasting disease, otherwise known as CWD. There has been a detection positive test deer here north of Merrifield, so we're going to bring in Dr. Michelle Carstensen with Minnesota DNR and talk to her about what exactly CWD is, how it affects deer, and how it's going to affect our deer population going forward. Plus, Brent Beimer with Beimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop will drop by and uh, preview next weekend's hunting expo out at his shop. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby, your one-stop shop for ice fishing in the Cuyuna Lakes area, lures, fresh bait, and your propane filling station for the Cuyuna Lakes. Oars and Mine located on Highway 6 in Crosby. Obviously a very hot-button issue here, not only in the Brainerd Lakes area, but across the entire state of Minnesota, is uh, CWD, chronic wasting disease, and uh, a lot of hunters uh, you know, wanting to gather information. Just people in, in are concerned about the deer herd in, in general want to grab the information that they can, and there's a lot of stuff out there. So I thought this time around we would bring in Dr. Michelle Carstensen with the Minnesota DNR. Dr. Carstensen has been a very, very good friend of Brainerd Outdoors for many years, uh, giving us some incredible information and uh michelle thanks for taking the time to stop by and talk to us again happy to be back so i guess you know where should we start with this i'm thinking maybe we'll start from the very beginning uh michelle because you know we had the discovery of the dead deer uh in january north of merrifield i guess maybe that's our jumping off point where did the dnr go from there Sure. Uh, well, we had a report of a deer that was found dead, um, and uh, that was turned over to a conservation officer. And when the deer was picked up, it was, you know, um, thin uh, for this time of year, especially, and uh, and was found dead on private land. And so it met the criteria that we have for for testing deer for chronic wasting disease. So we have a statewide effort where we test suspect deer, meaning that they either were observed neurologic or having some uh, issues neurologically that could be associated with CWD or were emaciated. Um, and uh, we do a rule out basically to see if, you know, make sure that's not the issue. Well, in this case, uh, this particular deer came back as a suspect for the disease on the first test. And then there's a follow-up test that's done that confirms the presence of the pathogen, which in chronic wasting disease is called a prion. And that animal was confirmed on the second, ter- second test to have the disease in about mid-February. And that was uh, the first time we knew that we had a positive in the wild in Crow Wing County, Minnesota. And you guys had been doing, for those that maybe haven't been following along or new to the area, uh, the last couple of deer seasons, you have been doing some CWD testing uh, that you asked deer hunters to take part in based on the fact around this game farm right around Merrifield where originally you had some concerns. That's correct. Yeah, we found out about a farm that had been found infected with chronic wasting disease um, inside their fence. 
uh, in late um, 2016, December 2016. And so that triggered a response from uh, Minnesota DNR because we view that as a, you know, risk factor to the health of our wild herd. If there's infection found, you know, on a farm, there's a possibility that, you know, it could exchange with animals on the wild. So we do surveillance around any of these types of facilities that are found infected for a minimum of three years. And the reason that it's it's a three-year effort to start with is because the disease itself, chronic wasting disease, is very slow in its incubation window. So it can take anywhere from one to three years from when an animal is exposed to the disease to develop the clinical signs that they get uh, and then eventually die. So we do a three-year effort. And uh, so we did our first sampling in 2017, and then we sampled nearly 8,000 animals in all the permit areas surrounding where this farm was uh, was detected. Did not find any disease at that time. And then in fall 2018, we scaled back because we collected so many samples the first year in such a broad area. We had really good evidence that we didn't have any endemic infection or you know long-standing infection in the wild. So we we zoomed in more to about a 15-mile radius around where the farm was uh, because. Because, again, that's where we believe the highest risk would be for the disease to appear if it's in the wild. And we sampled, though, about 850 or so deer last fall. Uh, Again, did not find anything in the wild. So things were looking good that we didn't have infection in the wild until this this one deer, uh, you know, appeared on the the, uh, uh, horizon here that that had the disease and actually died from CWD. So the next step now, Michelle, with the DNR, obviously you guys are going to be working in conjunction with a lot of different people. We are. So we we do have a a plan, a Minnesota DNR response plan, which actually has just been updated too. So look for that to be released publicly on Monday. Um, We we do respond right away whenever we have detection in the wild. Some of the first things we do is get up in the air and fly a survey if conditions are appropriate, and it's still wintertime, to see what sort of deer numbers and density we have in that area. So basically trying to get a sense of how many deer are at risk. And we did do that uh, in the Crowing County area as soon as we found out about this positive, but unfortunately the flight conditions weren't the best to see deer. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of conifer cover, obviously, in that part of the world, and uh, visibility wasn't the best. Uh, there was a lot of evidence of tracks and sign of deer, but actually seeing deer uh, was a little bit challenging. So we did a little bit more recon on the ground uh, with snowmobiles and vehicles and looking for for evidence of deer from fresh tracks and, and you know did find quite a bit of evidence of deer activity in that area so that's one of the first things we do is think about how many deer are at risk and then if there's anything that still can be done this winter so one concern is that if there's additional infection in that area, you know, if we wait to, to, to do anything until next fall, that's another nine months that any other deer that might be infected can interact, you know, with other deer and possibly expose naive deer to the disease. So we wanted to see if we can remove some deer this winter yet in the, the area that's closest to where this farm is. So we just drew a two-mile circle around the farm and wanted to take deer out in that area in case they're positive then we can remove them from the landscape and reduce that risk for deer that are there between now and next fall which is really our next chance to do any you know large-scale sampling effort are you finding a lot of cooperation because obviously i'm sure you guys are reaching out with the deer hunters association landowners and stuff are you guys finding good cooperation there we are talking with a lot of folks in that in that area. We had a public meeting uh, up there where DNR and the Board of Animal Health came up together and presented what we know to date about CWD in our state and then more specific to that area and encouraged landowners to, to help us. 
we did send out a permit uh, to shoot deer to all landowners that had 10 acres or more, um, and those permits are still effective through this coming weekend. And um, and that was basically a chance that folks could, you know, take it upon themselves to shoot a few deer on their property uh, and help with this effort. And uh, on top of that, we have a contract with the United States Department of Ag Wildlife Services, and what they do is specialized deer removal. So they're their full-time job uh, this time of year is, is working with us on contract to spend their time removing deer. So instead of normal people that have jobs and only have time off on weekends, uh, these uh, folks can do- devote their entire day to targeting deer. And it's a very effective tool to remove deer in key areas strategically. And then, you know, we get samples from those animals, and then the carcasses can be donated for human consumption once they're cleared from having the disease. And I think one of the most impressive things in my mind, I mean, from the minute that this story hit back in mid-January, Michelle, uh, the wherewithal and the progress that the DNR wanted to take to get ahead of this thing right off the bat, I think has been really something that people should be proud of because, I mean, it's not like you guys are sitting on your hands on this thing. No, and with this disease, you just, you really, you can't. The, the disease doesn't care what kind of, you know, conversations we're having and, you know, and disagreements with, you know, constituents or politics that are going on about what we should be doing. While we're all having that conversation in the coffee shops or the bars, the disease doesn't care. It's spreading if it's out there. And so we have to remember that's really what we're here to do. We're here to prevent this disease from taking hold in Crow Wing County and being a long-term effect on deer population. And so to try to get ahead of it, and hopefully there isn't very much infection there, given the, the years of surveillance we've done uh, the past two falls, we can be aggressive now and, uh, and remove infected individuals if they exist and then reduce this risk. And so that's, that's really what we're here to do and try to have a healthy herd going forward. Yeah, there's a couple of things, too, I wanted to clean up, too, Michelle, why I have you here, in because there's a lot of misinformation out there. I'm sure you're seeing it. I'm seeing it. Um, a lot of people are saying, why don't we just close down these game farms and get rid of them and, and all of that? Maybe that's not as easy, easier said than done, huh? Yeah, you know, and, and just to be clear, the Minnesota DNR does not regulate the, the servant farming industry in the state. Uh, they are regulated by the Board of Animal Health. Um, and so DNR doesn't have jurisdiction of deer ins- inside these enclosures. Um, and, but we do work together with the Board of Animal Health to, uh, to help each other if we have cases where there's risk. Um, and in the southeast part of the state, you know, we have a disease in the wild. And so we're continually sharing information with the Board of Animal Health about what risks it is to their producers. In Crow Wing County, it's the other way around. We found a disease uh, inside the fence first. Um, they shared that information with us, which started our surveillance. So we have to work together. And, uh, and yes, you know, this is the eighth farm in Minnesota that's been found infected with chronic wasted disease, which is why DNR views this industry as having risks to the wild when it comes to CWD. But it's important to point out that that's not the only risk for how this disease can get into Minnesota. Prevention is key. And one of the things that we have really stressed uh, in the recent years is not uh, bringing in whole carcasses when hunters go out of state. Um, there's 26 states in the U.S. right now with chronic wasting disease, including Minnesota. So there's a lot of risk to hunters if they're traveling to other states and harvesting big game, cervids, um, to bring back those whole carcasses. They could inadvertently be bringing back contaminated you know, carcasses with chronic wasting disease, not know it. And then if they you know, dispose of those animals on the landscape, maybe they're back 40, 
than they could have brought in prions. So the risk of, uh, you know, of movement of those carcasses through our hunting community is something that we've spent a lot of time uh, in recent years focusing on by including a, a basically a ban that's a blanket ban for Minnesota. So anything outside of Minnesota, you cannot bring in a whole carcass. It includes Canada, it includes moose, elk, mule deer, and so forth. And uh, and that's one thing that we're really paying attention to. And the same goes for taxidermists and meat processors. They can't receive carcasses from hunters that have hunted in these areas intact, um, and they have to be properly cleaned and pass the import regulations we have to get to Minnesota. So that's one big way we can reduce risk. And the other reality is is that, you know, deer can move on their own through natural movements. And if you look at the states surrounding Minnesota, we have a big threat with Wisconsin. Right, two thirds of their counties are considered CWD affected counties, um, and we have CWD in northeast Iowa, and CWD is in both of the, the Dakotas. But luckily, it's on the western side of the Dakotas, not so much threatening our borders right now. But given time, you know, it's possible. You know, animals continue to move, and uh, we may see some some risk from those states as well. So keeping our eye on all of those different factors is what we need to do, not just focusing on on game farms. So that will be one more thing to monitor. Uh, Dr. Carsonson is going to be nice enough to stick with us through the break. We'll take a quick break, come back, talk more CWD with Dr. Michelle Carsonson with the Minnesota DNR when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And uh, second time around, we bring back our uh, guest this week, Dr. Michelle Carstensen with the Minnesota DNR, talking everything CWD here in the state of Minnesota. Obviously, we've had a pretty tough winter, Michelle. You know, when you talk about deep snow and cold, probably the worst thing you can have for a winter for deer. And, you know, I know a lot of people who do it, and I just kind of, you know, I I tell them not to, but you you can only tell people so much. Uh, they like to feed deer, and there are feeding bans all over the place. There is a reason that those feeding bans are in place, and one of them has to do with CWD, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, we have a ban in place in all the counties you know, that surround and include crowing um, because of that risk of transmitting disease. Uh, you know, and it's not, not just chronic wasting disease, but that's the, you know, the context we're talking about today. But even if a deer had a different, you know, parasites that they can exchange or um, hair um, issues that cause hair loss like mange, when you bring animals together in these sort of artificial sites and they congregate, they share, they share these pathogens, just like our kids that go to daycare and everybody comes home and they share the same illnesses. So it's, it's the same concept. We don't want to concentrate deer where we have a disease risk because we could inadvertently be spreading that disease at a higher rate than it, they would naturally encounter each other. So that's the goal of, of the recreational feeding bans. It's, it's not to, you know, tell people it's inappropriate to want to see wildlife in their yards and enjoy them uh, because we all love that, but it's really to reduce the risk of disease transmission and, and help these animals by, by doing that. With this, this disease, Michelle, I mean, can they, you know, spread it to different species? Obviously, deer to deer is obviously the big concern, but uh, can they spread it to, say, a fox or something like that? 
when it comes to, to carnivores, um, they don't develop chronic waste and disease, but they can uh, basically mechanically transfer the infectious agent, which is called the prion, on the landscape. So basically if a, a scavenger birds or coyotes or wolves are, are eating on a carcass that was infected with chronic waste and disease, they basically can move that material with them uh, in their home range. Uh, but they don't develop disease. This disease is specific to cervids, uh, so that's moose and elk and deer um, that are getting that and not necessarily any of these other species that, uh, that we were talking about, including humans. But the risks to humans are still unknown, and so there's recommendations that the DNR follows that are put out by the Center for Disease Control that tells hunters, basically, that if you're hunting in an area that has chronic wasting disease, be sure to get your deer tested. And number two is if it's positive, don't eat the meat. And uh, that's out there as a warning because these risks are unclear. And, uh, and folks really, you know, can make that decision on their own. But the recommendations that DNR supports are those uh, from the national health organizations that just require caution. And one last thing, Michelle, and this is probably the most basic question, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that are misinformed and stuff. And exactly what is, when you mention the term chronic wasting disease, what does that mean? I, basically, I'll let you kind of explain that. Chronic wasting disease is it's a neurodegenerative disease, and it belongs to a family of diseases called TSEs, or transmissible spongiform encephalopathies. And there, there are several different ones out there. Um, this is a, also a disease that can be found in sheep, and in that, that species it's called scrapie. In cattle it's called uh, BSE, bovine spongiform encephalopathy. Folks might more recognize that as mad cow which uh, broke out in Europe um, when that disease did jump the species barrier and affect humans. That's sort of the risk factor when we talked about CWD in humans a minute ago, why people are concerned. There's also encephalopathies specific to mink and other species and humans. In humans, there's a disease called Jakob Kruxfeld disease, which is its own prion disease. So this is a disease that has a family you know, of other diseases and other species that are very similar but seem to be difficult to really transmit between species. There's a blood-brain barrier that we have that, that is pretty robust to that. And so what happens for the cervids that we were talking about that get chronic wasting disease is, as I mentioned, it takes a long time for the disease to incubate. So when they're exposed, it takes on average two years, but anywhere from one to three years to really to develop the signs of the disease. But the really interesting part with that is that while they're exposed in that kind of preclinical period, uh, they can be shedding prions in their urine, their feces, and their saliva, and basically contaminating the environment around them and transmitting it to other deer uh, while they still look completely normal. And this is really one of the hard things with chronic wasting disease is that the majority of the deer that we have already tested positive in Minnesota, particularly in the southeast, have looked awesome. Anybody that hunts like I do, you shoot that deer and you think, you know, you got a great-looking deer, they just don't look emaciated in these preclinical stages. It takes a long time for that to show up, and once they start to look bad, they go really fast. Usually it's within four months, they waste away to nothing and die from the disease. And so that, that kind of makes this disease a little hard for folks to kind of, you know, digest because the deer look pretty good for a whole, you know, large portion of that incubation window. 
And then when they do succumb to the disease, what actually kills them can often be other things. So predators out west, they have papers that have shown how, you know, mountain lions and so forth are high, highly select deer with chronic wasting disease because, as you can imagine, they have a neurogenitive disease, so they're not so good anymore at avoiding predators. They also can get hit on the road more, more likely, too, with that disease. And they die of emaciation and pneumonia kind of as an end stage. So it's kind of a variety of things that actually can kill deer with this disease. But they, uh, they really can succumb to many things that you would imagine uh, would happen if you have a neurogenitive disease. I have had uh, hunters and, and people just in general ask me, what should I look for? if Because I, I had somebody say, well, I saw this deer that was in a field that was just kind of wandering around all by itself. Is, does it have CWD? And I was like, well, I, I don't think so. But, I mean, what should people really look for that maybe could be a red flag, Michelle? Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about this neurogenitive issue. So what, what we're looking for is deer that aren't behaving normally. So they can be um, lo- like a loss of fear of people. So you could get closer to them than normally you would. Um, they could also have like tremors or hold their head low kind of at an odd angle. Um, they can walk in circles, uh, they can be seen drooling, and also stumbling or not having really good balance can be a sign of chronic wasted disease. And as we talked about, too, in their later stages, they'll become very emaciated, so their condition would be very poor. You should be able to see some you know, hip bones protruding, maybe some of the rib cage would be pretty obvious. And so those types of signs are what we look for uh, in what we would consider a suspect, a clinical suspect for CWD. And we are more than happy to test deer like that that are reported to us anytime we can and we do that around the state and if people see that call their local co would that be the best way to go yep local co or local wildlife office either way and uh, we'll uh, work together to to try to get that animal sampled one last thing michelle i know i've kept you here for a long time i appreciate you taking the time but uh uh for deer hunters and and people just in general concerned about the deer population to set their mind at ease a little bit going forward obviously you guys are doing everything that you can to make sure that this gets you know taken care of and and you're really ahead of the game on this whole thing anything you want to tell them to kind of put their mind at ease well, I think for, for hunters in the crowing area, you know, stay tuned for uh, things to come for this coming fall. There's going to be some changes, you know, with our plan uh, that's going to be, you know, in place um, starting next week. Uh, and it's really a consistent plan that we've been following whenever we find disease, we set up a zone. Um, and so folks, you know, in this your area are going to be involved in a new management zone for the disease. And with that comes additional harvest opportunities and some additional regulations, such as not being able to take a carcass outside of that zone, you know, in the round. So it'll have to be processed locally or, uh, or, or held on a property until the test results can come back, which are pretty quick. We can get our tests back in three or four business days. And so those, there's going to be some changes to, to what the norm is. But um, this is done to, to really protect the deer herd, and it's done to not let disease spread outside of the area. And so it's not really meant to inconvenience our hunters. It's meant to try to work together to keep our herd healthy. And, uh, and so I think, you know, folks should understand that. And uh, we have a, had a lot of good, you know, support and feedback from our hunters that, that want to minimize these risks. And, you know, if we can eradicate it from the crowing area, you know, let's do it together. And, uh, and it's really only through working together that we will achieve that. It's going to take some time. You know, as I mentioned, it's, it's a minimum three-year effort where we do surveillance to, to assess this disease on the landscape and monitor for it. So there'll be a lot of sampling going forward. And, you know, we have a, a website that hunters can check um, 
and we keep it up to date with sampling and all the information of what's going on for for our different areas of the state you know and keep keep an eye on that that's at uh, www.dnr.state.mn.us backslash cwd uh, that's a great source of information and i should mention too for your listeners uh, we we currently are going to be doing some removals with USDA, as we talked about already, in the Crow Wing County area, and we're going to have venison available for donation whenever carcasses that are harvested through that um, are tested and the tests come back not detected. So there's a program called Share the Harvest, which you can see on our website, where folks can click on that and sign up to receive venison. So it's free of charge, and uh, we're happy to give that away to the local community, and it's a valuable source of protein. So you can encourage your listeners to uh, to look into that, and, and please sign up if they'd like to receive some. Absolutely. Some very good stuff from Dr. Michelle Carstensen with the Minnesota DNR. As I said before, a very good friend of Brainerd Outdoors, always coming to the plate with some incredible information. Michelle, I'm sure we will be talking to you a lot between now and the beginning of fall. I appreciate the time and the effort as always, and and, uh, we'll chat with you here real soon, okay? All right, thanks. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And nice to talk to our good friend Brent Beimer with Beimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop just west of Brainerd Baxter on Highway 210. Brent's got his annual hunting expo, which is coming up, I believe, next weekend out at the shop there. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Also, kind of on the heels of our conversation with Dr. Michelle Carstensen with this whole CWD thing. Brent, obviously a big-time deer hunter here in the area. Uh, he's going to weigh in a little bit on that and his thoughts. Uh, but I guess, first off, Brent, I mean, it's it's kind of a mess out there. Hey, why not go shed hunting? That would be perfect right now, huh? <laughs> yeah, you better uh, you better bring some hip waders if you do it, um, and uh, get ready for some good cardio workout because there's a lot of snow, there's a lot of slush, and uh, she's gonna be tough going for a little bit. Oh, and I bet the snow in the woods is really deep. Yeah, it's bad. It's gonna it's gonna be kind of hard on our animals, you know, from the deer, the turkeys. Um, you know, this is this is tough going for them. And then if it freezes a little bit, you know, it makes that snow even harder to to get through and uh you know hopefully it just you know we get this warm weather and let's melt this stuff as quick as we can just for for our sake and for the animal's sake you know we just we need to get into spring it's been a long enough winter that's for sure that's a lot of thing talking to deer hunters here in the last month or so brent you know the the concern is this was the worst possible winter we could have because the worst thing for like you said turkey and deer uh deep snow and cold weather and we had them both yeah, you know, and we got rain, um, you know, months ago or whatever. I can't remember when it rained, when it wasn't supposed to rain anyway. But that crusted everything up, you know, a couple layers down, you know. Um, and that just makes it harder on them, you know, that that frozen snow, and, and uh, it's harder to get through. I've already heard, um, you know, of some dead deer and some dead turkeys and, and things like that. So it's not good. We need to get into spring. Now, Brent, I'm sure you're like many uh, that are concerned about our deer population with this uh, announcement of the CWD discovery there north of Merrifield. We just talked to Dr. Michelle Carstensen about that. Um, I wanted to get a deer hunter's perspective on it because obviously the DNR, they have their own agendas and and what they want to get done and their own perspective. But just from somebody who is not only a landowner but somebody who is a passionate deer hunter, uh, where are you at on this whole thing? You know, it's uh, CWD is uh, not good. You know, we all know that it's a disease that can affect the deer herd. Um, I haven't seen it 
uh, run rampant, you know, in this area. It's never, we've never had this issue, really. You know, you get uh, Wisconsin, some southern parts of Minnesota and different things. Uh, I know they've had some issues there. I don't think there was ever anything really resolved out of it. You know, we come in, we they open up a deer season, a special hunt, and they sharpshoot some deer and, and test a whole bunch of deer. And, and, you know, we never see a result and uh, other than our deer herd diminishing. Yeah, that's going to be the thing that I'm going to find out. Because when I was in high school is, is when that CWD breakout in Wisconsin where I grew up, uh, it was the first I heard of it, and there was a lot of panic because back then, I mean, there was you know you didn't have internet and and all that, so you didn't have the information flying around out there like you do nowadays with social media and everything. Um, but to me, it was a lot of talk, and 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 a lot of things never really got resolved. It just kind of went away. So I'm hoping as we've gotten years later, you know, and and talking to to Dr. Carsonson earlier that they've got a little bit more of a handle on what they want to do and a little bit more of an idea and with technology and stuff maybe they can uh, you know figure some things out here. Yeah, um you know, things have advanced a long ways. They've done a lot more research on it since, you know, back in the day and and when we first started seeing it in some of the other areas. You know, this has been around for you know 50 plus years. They had it out west. Um, I think it's kind of like myself. I think it's kind of like a cancer. Some get it, some don't. Um, you know, do we go in and, and kill a whole bunch of deer? I don't know if that's the answer. You know, they've been testing them quite a bit. We've tested one wild deer in the area, um, that came up with it. And, uh, I don't know what the right answer is or, or the wrong answer, but I, I don't know that killing a whole bunch of our, our deer herd is, uh, is the answer either. Has the DNR reached out at all to you, Brent, or anybody that you know for help on this whole thing? I have not myself. I have not spoken to anybody um, on the DNR. I have spoken with uh, some other people, um, you know, some of our representatives a little bit. Uh, I've spoken with some deer farmers who I think are uh, getting a lot of the blame, and I don't know that that's right either. You know, they're confined. They're in a fence. Um, not the deer farms that uh, that have started this, uh, in my opinion, um, and they are, uh, you know, they're after those guys, and they want to they want to close down deer farms. Well, it's livestock; it's just like anything else. As long as it's, they got to go through the animal board of health and and different things too, so they're testing their animals all the time, just like any other big farm would. Yeah, that's the other elephant in the room, really. Uh, you talk to some people; they want these game farms and stuff completely shut down. Then there are others that are like you said. You know, they're playing by the rules, too. Um, it's just that it happens that, you know, this, this positive deer was found near one of those, and right away the smoking gun comes out uh, in some people's mind, and unfortunately all the facts aren't there yet. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, they, they hear one thing, might not be the full truth, might not, you know, from either side. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that got to come into play before we can point fingers at just one thing and, and to me right now, uh, they're really hitting the deer farmers. They're hitting the, the no feeding. You know, we've got a feeding ban going on. You can't feed nothing. I, you know, I don't know if that's, if that's where we need to, to be with it. Um, we've got a sick deer in the woods, you know. I mean, it's going to happen. Do you see it as a business owner, uh, Brent? I mean, you sell mineral blocks, and, and do you see more regulations coming down the line that may end up impacting you more than you'd like to see? Yeah, I mean, we um, we normally go through a palette of protein blocks and um, deer minerals, and we're usually talking about that now. And 
and getting them out this time of the year when the when the deer are really after it, you know, coming off a hard winter, uh, the does are in their gestation period, and and you know, let's get some minerals, let's get some protein to them. Well, we can't. So, me selling it, I'm I'm not moving any. You know, I haven't even ordered any mineral or or anything into the shop. You know, nobody, you're not supposed to do it. So, um, you know, so people aren't uh, buying it like they were. A lot of people are abiding by the rules. Some of them don't care. They're going to buy it no matter what. So, yeah, I do see that trickle effect a little bit. Yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see. I, I guess the one thing, Brent, and not to paint all kinds of gloom and doom on, on something like this, because really it, it may end up, like we said in the beginning, uh, much ado about nothing, but uh, it's going to be something that's going to be there probably for the coming years for a while yet. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. Um you know, and like I said before, I don't think that going in and slaughtering a bunch of deer out of the woods is is going to help anything. Um, you know, let's let's do the testing when deer season's here, like they had been doing, and uh, and different stuff. But to go in and eliminate a a deer herd in a certain area around that Mission Township, there isn't going to be any deer around there. I don't think if uh, if people are going to get over abundance of tags and and different things, it's uh, I don't think a lot of the landowners are participating in it yet, um, to the best of my knowledge. I haven't heard of a whole lot of uh, people just going out and shooting their deer up. So we'll see. That'll be definitely something we will be talking about here for quite some time, unfortunately. Uh, on a positive note, though, Brent, uh, as we mentioned in the open, is really not much to do. The lakes are a mess. Uh, you can't get out in the woods and shed hunt or, or even um, some people like to do you know, maple syrup and all this other stuff. Uh, we're getting into that type of the season. But... If you're looking for something to do next weekend and you want to, you know, keep that hunting mindset going, your annual hunting expo is coming up. That's always a good way to keep your uh, spirits up. Yeah, it'll pass a weekend anyway. We uh, <laughs> our uh, biggest sales of the year. Um, it uh, we put all the new stuff out there for everybody to come in and shoot all the 2019 stuff. We got some great sales on it. Um, we got some blowout prices on some leftover 18 stuff. Um, crossbows we got some really good crossbow deals going on with mission um we brought a few of those in and uh um something to do you know we can't do nothing else so they may as well come in here uh and uh, take a look at the new stuff coming out absolutely will people be able to test shoot some of the bows that are out there yep we'll have them all set up um from youth bows to full-blown adult bows um and like i said before we got some great discounts on them it's our biggest sales of the year um we're going to have a professional knife sharpener in here sharpening knives like we always do um so get your knives together whether it's your favorite hunting knife or your or your wife's kitchen set bring it in and we'll get them sharpened up um von hansen's and and kc saloons always provides us with some uh, meat snacks and uh, different things there we'll have a few people out here to to talk to and and uh, just look and test some of the new stuff for sure uh ours it's both saturday and sunday next weekend Yep, March 23rd, Saturday is uh, 9 to 5, and Sunday is 9 to 3. And um, we'll have uh, different things going on, so come on out and cure some cabin fever. For sure. Uh, so that's their annual hunting expo at Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop. You can check them out there uh, just west of Brainerd Baxter on Highway 210, right there next to the corner store. Brent, uh, have fun with the uh, the event next weekend. I hope to see you out there for that. Uh, good luck, and fingers crossed that we'll be able to get out in the woods here pretty soon. 
Yes, let's get this stuff melted. Um, the water's kind of stacking up. It's not running where it's supposed to yet. Oh, no, it's so. not. <laughs> getting to be a mess. So, yes, it is. Yeah, so we'll hopefully things will change on that front. Brent, I appreciate it. Good stuff as always, and uh, we'll check in soon. Okay, bud? Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and time for our Hungry Hunter segment here on the show. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon in Baxter is back with us. And Joel, here we are, St. Patty's weekend. You are Mr. Spot On, as you always are. A bangers and mash recipe, and if people wanted to use venison sausage with this, they could. That's right. We got bangers and mash. So we got a venison sausage laying around. Um, this calls for like a quarter pound. You kind of want a little bigger, thicker sausage for this. If not, you can always go the classic uh, English English banger or English sausage. And we can uh, you can boil those off in some beer if you like. Do it ahead of time. Throw some onions in there. Boil them up, and then we can go to the grill with them to finish them off. So we got those going. We can start off with our potatoes. We'll get you know three pounds of of red potatoes or Yukon potatoes, whatever kind of potato you like making mashes out of. We get those boiling. Uh, when they're all tender, we'll throw them in with some butter, lots of sour cream, and some salt and pepper. Mix that all together. We want to keep your sour cream cold. We want to melt your melt your butter. I want to mix in a little bit easier. So we'll mix the potatoes up. We got those all ready. So we'll start making our gravy for it. We'll get a yellow onion. This is an onion gravy, so we're going pretty heavy on onions. We'll get onion, if you like onions, two onions, a little bit of garlic, let that kind of sweat down in some butter. We're going to add in some Irish whiskey. Be careful when you add the whiskey in. It could flare up a little bit. <laughs> Reduce that whiskey down by half, and then we'll add in some pork stock, um, or you could use chicken stock, whatever whatever you like. Add in a little Worcestershire and salt and pepper, and we're going to thicken up a little bit of roux, a little butter and flour. Kind of bring it up to the thickness you like. Then we're going to put it all together, put our mashers down, top it with some sausages, and then we'll pour our gravy all over top of it. Sounds fantastic. I might have asked you this before. Um, we've talked before, whenever you've cooked with wine, you've told me if you wouldn't drink it, you wouldn't cook with it. You've said the same thing with, about beer, too, and anything. Would you say the same thing about whiskey as well? Is there anything particular you'd use? Uh, most definitely. I, I drink, I'll, well, I like Irish whiskey quite often. Uh, so, I, <laughs> so that's what I have. This is a kind of an Irish-themed uh, recipe, so we're going to stick with the Irish whiskey. If that's not what you have, you have, you know, Jim Beam, you have Jack Daniels, whatever you got, use it up. It all works. It all works. Well, if you want to give it a try, and I recommend you do so, head to our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Recipes tab. This recipe and a ton of others there for you to try. Chef Joel's version of Bangers and Mash. So check it out. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North and Baxter. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that will wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Don't forget, you can stream the live show if you're away from your radio or out of town at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. You can also find the show on demand there. And, of course, we're all over the podcast network, whether it be iTunes, Podcast One, wherever you download podcasts. Search Brainerd Outdoors. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We would appreciate that as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon.
Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.